All right, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are always working in our lives. You are always providing. You are always leading. You are always protecting. You are always strengthening. You are always healing. We thank you for your word that it reveals to us these truths about you, about your your never-ending and your unfailing love, about your faithfulness towards us that knows no bounds. Lord, I pray that you'd open up our ears and open our hearts to hear what you have for us this morning, that your words of truth may be buried deep within us and bear fruit in our lives. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. A little ways back, I was told a story by someone who had also attended a Christian college that sent a shiver down my spine. On one of the men's dorm floors, there was a small utility closet, much like on most other college dorm floors, where you'd empty out mop water and that type of thing. One day, however, those who entered it or even walked past it began to sense this kind of darkness in it. Something was very different about this closet and very wrong. The feeling and sense that the men who lived on this floor experienced whenever they had to go into or be near this closet was brought to the attention of the school faculty. A group of professors and other faculty members, along with some students, formed a semicircle around the door to this closet and began to pray against whatever spiritual darkness had made a home within there. And as they were praying and crying out to God for its expulsion, a dark shadow came out from under the closet door, went down the hall, and exited out the end of the hall. This was on the grounds of a Christian college, even within the building of a Christian college in America. We in America very often forget about the spiritual component of our faith and the spiritual war that is going on all around us in the unseen world. And all of us have heard of miraculous healings taking place, where someone has a terminal illness and the doctors have absolutely no clue how this person was completely healed out of nowhere. We've all heard stories about that. We often forget about the spiritual world in our everyday lives of taking kids to school and going to work and running errands and taking care of the household and paying bills. And very often we forget about the different spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, not just as something for us to nod at and say, well, that sounds nice, but to equip the church, to equip us, to bring about unexplainable results. Can you believe that? Unexplainable results. Last week, we introduced our mini-series on spiritual gifts. We talked about how all three members of the Trinity work in unity with giving these spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit is the one who actually distributes out the spiritual gifts to each believer in Jesus. The Son is the one who calls those believers to the purpose and ministry for those gifts. And the Father is the one who holds God's will and is the one who makes the life changes and the heart changes and the healing and the expulsion of dark forces happen. Because of that, the ultimate purpose of all the spiritual gifts God chooses to give are for the building up of and the unity of the church. 
They are never to be used for selfish or self-centered ambitions, for that negates the whole reason behind the giving of them. Last week, we finished up our message with looking at the first two gifts, ones that could be categorized as non-miraculous gifts, those of as we see in 1 Corinthians 12, 8, you can look back at that verse, word of wisdom and word of knowledge. These are not prophetic gifts. That's the gift of prophecy, which Paul will reference later on in this list. Word of wisdom is the gift of having spiritual illumination, insight, and clarity about biblical doctrine. That is about God, His characteristics, and His will, and His plan of salvation. Word of knowledge is the gift of being able to effectively take that doctrine and apply it to everyday situations of life. No, these may not cause the same response from people like a miraculous healing would or strong faith or the working of another miracle would, but these are all greatly necessary gifts for the building up of and the spiritual growth of the church. You'll remember from last week that Paul made a point of including these with the other miraculous gifts, and that is that they're just, and this is why, that they're just as important and needed for the church. I also mentioned that I know, last week, I mentioned I know there are many in this congregation who have these gifts and need to be using them, if not already. If you can look at yourself and see in connection with experience that you can grasp biblical doctrine and or apply it well to everyday life situations, it's not a mystery You have these gifts. Be encouraged to look for ways to use them. Now today we turn to some of the more miraculous gifts. We're only going to be focusing on verse 9 and the beginning of verse 10. So so three gifts today. The gifts of faith, healing, and miracles. We'll get into the other miraculous gifts that Paul mentions in the rest of verse 10 next week. That is the gifts of prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues and interpretation of tongues. So if I piqued your interest, plan on coming back next week. These more miraculous gifts have been the cause of great confusion and division in the church of Jesus Christ. So between this week and next week, I'll I'll be heavily relying upon the views of theologian Dr. Wayne Grudem for his balanced, level-headed, and most importantly, thoroughly biblical understanding of spiritual gifts. Out of everything I've read, I found his research into this topic to be the most biblical, down-to-earth, and effective. And so I'm hoping that out of this whole mini-series on spiritual gifts, we'll all have a better and life-filled understanding of what they are, and what their purposes are, and a greater appreciation for them overall. So the first point that we have here is faith. And if you brought your Bible with you, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be starting in verse 9. If you didn't, there should be one located in the pew in front of you. Please also turn there. It's in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, chapter 12, verses 9 and into the beginning of 12. We, We read this for our scripture reading already, but we're going to read it again. To another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles. So let's start with the gift of faith here. You'll see up up on the screen here. As believers in Jesus, we are all given a certain amount of faith, a certain measure of faith basic to our salvation. 
Ephesians 2.8 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. He's the one who gives you that initial faith. So God, in His grace, gives us the gift of faith to lead us to put that trust in Jesus for our salvation. That's the very basic amount of faith uh, in, in needed for salvation. The Bible also tells us that every believer in Jesus is given certain amounts of faith in walking with God in everyday life. Romans 12.3 tells us, For through grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So if you don't have the same amount of faith as somebody else, that's okay. Because God is the one who allots, who gives out to each of us the measure of faith. We also read that faith is a fruit of the Holy Spirit as well. We read in Galatians 5, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Faithfulness. It's the same word. Faith. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. By this, we learn that faith is also a fruit of the Spirit that has grown in us over time through different experiences and trials. So, so far, we learn from Scripture that when God calls us to trust in Jesus for our salvation, He gives us a certain amount of faith in order to do that. He also gives us different amounts of faith to each believer, which through the moving of the Holy Spirit in our experiences, grow into bigger and bigger amounts of faith. What is faith? Faith is confidence. That's what faith is. Faith is confidence in God. Confidence in His strength, His perfection, His love, and His will. Confidence in all those and more. We're all to have this confidence in God's power to act and move. Jesus tells his disciples in Mark 11, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe you've received it, it will be yours. That was a declaration of unwavering confidence in God's power. Especially in the context of Israel's lack of faith in God. Faith tells us that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. But that is also based on the premise, the biblical premise of God's will. We cannot just ask for whatever comes to our mind. We must seek to be as closely aligned with God's will as possible through the following of the Holy Spirit's guidance. That's why 1 John also tells us, and we are confident, we have faith, that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that what? Pleases Him. Is according to His will. And since we know He hears us when we make our requests, we also know that He will give us what we ask for. All of us believers are to pray with faith. Confident that everything is possible with God's strength and God's power, and if it pleases Him and brings us the most spiritual transformation and brings Him the most glory, we can be confident it will be done. But according to verse 9, that in our passage this morning, what do we read? There's also a special gift 
of faith that the Holy Spirit will give to certain Christians. Not everybody has the spiritual gift of faith. Strong faith. So what is this? How does this differ from the gift of faith that God gives to all believers? Well, what Paul is pointing out here is a special subjective confidence of faith. Believers who have this spiritual gift of faith will receive a special movement by the Holy Spirit whereby they are confident that what they have prayed for will come to pass. I like to think of the spiritual gift of faith like this. You may have probably heard, uh, you've probably heard similar stories like this used as illustrations of this. But many of you know I'm a big Syracuse University men's basketball fan. They won their one and only national championship back in 2003 with Carmelo Anthony as their freshman star player. A few years back when I was home from one summer from college, I decided to re-watch the tape of that game just to relive the glory days. We were not doing very well in the first half, and I wondered how in the world did we win this game? They're playing horribly right now. As the time started getting nearer and nearer to expiring in the second half, the score went back and forth between SU and the opposing team, with the opposing team winning at one point and then SU winning. What I was thinking, though, was not, are we going to win this? That's not what I was thinking. I already knew the outcome of the game. What I was thinking was, hmm, I, I'm interested. I wonder how this will play out, but I already know we're going to win it. I already know that. I know what the score is going to end up being. That's the same with somebody who has the spiritual gift of faith. Not every pray, prayer they pray will result in them having the Holy Spirit confirm with them that it will come to pass, but they will have a greater percentage of the Holy Spirit confirming that than others who don't have this gift. Just like with the gifts of word and word, uh, word of wisdom and word of knowledge, you can see this gift pretty plainly in different believers, can't you? They pray for something, and then they tell you in full confidence that it's going to happen. And you think to yourself, how can you say that? But they tell you in full confidence that it's going to happen. We all know people like that. If you sense this movement of the Holy Spirit in you when you pray, revealing to you subjective confidence that certain things that you pray for will come to pass, guess what? You have this spiritual gift of faith. Again, it's not a mystery. You have this spiritual gift of faith. Use that. Pray often. Make known the movement of the Holy Spirit in you that is giving you the confidence of answered prayer. While not in pride, but for the building up of the church, make yourself known and available to the congregation to pray on their behalf. There's no magic involved just like with healing and miracles, but it is a spiritual gift that not every Christian has. If you have it, treasure it and use it. Use that as a ministry for the church. If you don't feel like you have that, that's okay. Not everybody has all the spiritual gifts. No one has every spiritual gift. If you see someone who is a lot more vocally confident about what they pray for, don't envy that gift. 
appreciate it and give glory to God for those people who have that gift. If there is something big you want to bring to someone who has this gift, don't be shy about it. Bring it to them and ask them to also pray about it for you. This stre- You know what this does then? I told you. God's Word says every spiritual gift is for the building up of the church. This then strengthens unity within the church. Because we, knew, we know who has the gift of faith, and we go to them with these things and say, hey, can you pray for this with me? And this strengthens the unity of the church and reliance upon each other with the gifts that the Holy Spirit decides to distribute. Just like how the members of the human body that Paul will get into in a short while have to rely on each other so that the body functions as one. The eyes do not act independently of the brain. Everything relies upon each other. And everything relies upon the heart. Everything relies upon brain function. Everything relies upon each other. And just as everything in the human body relies upon each other for the body to function right, we all have to rely on each other in the church and rely on each other's spiritual gifts so that the body of Christ functions right and well. So we looked at the gift of faith, and next we're going to look at the gift of healing. This gift of faith goes hand in hand with both healing and the working of miracles. The gift of healing, you may have heard or seen many different versions of what spiritual healing is, of what physical healing is. But what the Bible teaches us is that the gift of healing is seeing that when you pray for physical healing for yourself, or for others, again, there is a greater percentage of those people seeing physical healing. It's not some weird thing that happens. It's when you, when you are discovering that when you pray for physical healing for yourself or others, you're seeing a greater frequency, a greater percentage of those prayers being answered and those people being physically healed. We know from Scripture that physical healing is a redemption from this cursed world that the death and resurrection of Jesus and the partial inauguration of God's kingdom has brought. When humankind sinned, we brought the curse of sickness and death upon ourselves. Not only that, but the created world and its impact on our bodies was also cursed. The prophet Isaiah spoke of the Messiah. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. There are both spiritual and physical components to this healing. We know that Jesus' death and resurrection brought us spiritual healing and restoration to God. But Matthew 8 quotes... Isaiah 53, 4, when he says, in connecting it with physical healing from Jesus, that evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. He even calls out the prophet who wrote these words down, who said he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. Amen. Amen. 
By Jesus bringing physical healing and casting out demons, He was confirming that He was inaugurating the kingdom of God. That it was there. It was there in their midst. Physical healing is a sign of this new covenant age that we're now in. In the book of James, when someone is suffering from spiritual sickness, the elders are told to go and anoint that person's head with oil. This shows the connection between the spiritual anointing of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual healing that was being requested of Him. Now, what are the purposes of physical and spiritual healing in Scripture? There are four. Firstly, physical healing serves as a sign of the power of the gospel and faith in Jesus Christ. It serves as a sign of the power of the gospel and faith in Jesus Christ. Many people have come to salvation or started to take their faith seriously simply because of the, because of the miraculous he, physical healing they saw in themselves or in someone else. And some of you may be here this morning. And we thank God. Secondly, healing shows to us and others God's heart of mercy towards those suffering. He is not a hardened God who is insensitive or ignores the cries for healing from those who are suffering. We read time and time again in the Gospels how Jesus was moved with compassion towards people and as such healed their sicknesses. Thirdly, healing will remove a sickness or pain that is hindering someone from a necessary ministry and thus free them to be a lot more effective in the ministry God has given to them. And fourthly, healing brings God glory as those who witness it shout out their praises to Him for His power and goodness. This gift of healing in the Greek language of verse 9 is actually a plural. And if you look at your Bible, you may have a footnote or something indicating that. That when you read healing, you'll see a footnote that says healings. The word in the Greek is plural. As describing gifts of healings. Undoubtedly, this means physical healing. But you know what it also means? It means emotional healing. It means mental healing. It means psychological healing. And someone may have the gift of physical healing, and somebody else might have the gift of psychological healing. One might have the general gift of healing, or may have one of these gifts of healing, such as restoring someone's mental health, or restoring somebody's emotional stability. Nothing is impossible for God. Amen? God has also given the gift of medicine and medicinal properties as part of His created world and its interaction with humans, but we must be careful to not sit at one of two extremes. Some people will sit at the extreme that all medicine is bad and we should only be praying for one another for our healing. That's one extreme. And if you're not healed, you don't have enough faith. That's a danger, very dangerous message with that extreme. Other people sit at the other end of the extreme and believe that healing, the gift of healing, has no place in this world anymore, and medicine is our only hope. But God has given some medicine to be a blessing. Isaiah told King Hezekiah's servants to put a poultice, a cake of figs on the king's boil to heal it. Paul told Timothy to drink a little wine in order to give him relief from stomach distress. 
So God can and will use medicine to bring about healing, but we must recognize that any healing, medicinally related or not, will only come from God. Now I realize that there are some out there who are abusing or even deceptively claiming that they have this gift and there's some weird things going on out there. As Paul notes so far here in chapter 12, these gifts are for the, again, the benefit and the unity of the church. That's what they're there for. They are not for the benefit of anyone who has them. But abuse by some does not discount the reality of the gift itself and the call to use it by Scripture. There's also the question of, when we talk about healing, there's always the question of, but why does God heal some that are prayed for and not heal some who are prayed for? That's always the question. I cannot answer the question person by person. However, as healing is a sign of the kingdom of God in the here and now, we also know that it is only partial. Jesus came to inaugurate the kingdom of God, but are we fully in the kingdom of God yet? No. It's only partial. We will experience the full future kingdom when Jesus comes back. We catch glimpses into the future kingdom. In that future kingdom, we know this from Scripture. Agree with me on this. In that future kingdom, we will all have perfect and glorified bodies, never to suffer sickness or death again. That's what Scripture clearly teaches us. So physical healing in the here and now is a foretaste of the future physical transformation of all of us. It's something we should be eager to pray for, knowing it's part of the glimpse into the kingdom of God. At the same time, though, we must also recognize that the kingdom of God is both here and not yet. Not everyone will experience the physical healing they and others pray for. That is also in combination with what can be described as God's secret will. Those decisions He's made for reasons known only to Himself, in which He may or may not ever reveal to us this side of heaven. We don't, as tough as it is to know, we don't need to know those. But we need to know the one who does know those reasons. So pray, prayer for healing must be done eagerly with the confidence that God can and very often does heal any and every kind of sickness or pain. Anybody that brought... Look, look at this scripture here. He healed all the sick. It doesn't say what they were sick with. Anything that they were possibly going through, He healed all of it. We simply ask Him for it and we leave it there with Him. We recognize that He may determine it better for our spiritual growth or someone else's spiritual growth or know He will receive the most glory if He doesn't give the healing. But if you're sitting here or watching and listening online later and you recognize that more frequently than not the people you pray for healing for are experiencing it, that is not a coincidence. That is not a mystery. That is a gift specially given to you by God. 
Use that. I beg of you, please, for everyone's sake, use that gift. Do not neglect it or ignore it. You have been given both a gift and a ministry in this church. Make that known. Like with those with the spiritual gift of faith, make yourself known and available to the congregation for the unifying and strengthening of it and its glory and praise to God. Pay attention, pay, pay close attention to our prayer chain and every week's prayer sheet and pray for those who are in physical suffering. Visit those who are in physical suffering and pray over them. Call up those who are in physical suffering and pray for them over the phone. You know what the very worst thing you could do with this gift of healing? Refuse to use it. James 5.13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. It's only the theologically logical thing to do. And James 4.2 says, You do not have because you do not ask. Use that gift. You have no clue. You're maybe sitting here and thinking, I think I might have it, but I don't think God's going to do much with me or with the gift. You have no clue what God is going to do with that. You have no clue. You have no clue how God will use the gift and the ministry of that gift towards people in our church and other believers. The whole church, if you are using your gift, could experience a season of physical healing in our church unlike anything that has been experienced in a very, very long time. If ever. So we talked about faith. We talked about healing. Thirdly, we're going to talk about miracles. The third gift is the gift of miracles. While many miracles in the New Testament had to do with healing, Paul is obviously differentiating it from healing here, for he lists it separately. In the Greek, the word is simply the plural for powers. Powers. Not our powers, obviously, but God's powers manifested in a plurality of situations. For instance, you might pray for deliverance from danger for yourself or someone else, and it happens. You might pray for judgment to come upon those who are violently opposing the gospel message, and it happens. You might pray for miraculous vanquishing of clearly demonic forces in certain situations, and they flee, like in our opening illustration. You might pray for Christian brothers and sisters under persecution, or missionaries in grave danger, and you later found out they were delivered in a miraculous way. If you pray for anything that causes God to move in an uncommon way, and it happens and therefore results in others' amazement, wonder, and awe, and points to the truth of God and who He is, you have the gift of miracles. Use that. Again, use it. Use that to pray for God to come through in powerful and miraculous ways in people's lives, in our church, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters undergoing persecution, for the vanquishing of demonic forces in lives and situations, and for the furtherance of the gospel message, 
and see what God does with that. Again, you do not have because you do not ask. Never belittle or doubt what God can and will do through the prayers of you who have the gifts of miracles. Never doubt that. Never belittle it. Like with faith and healing, the worst possible thing you could do with that gift is not use it. Use it to unleash the power of God in humanly impossible situations so that others will be driven to put their faith in Him. You may have one of these gifts or a few overlapping ones as all three of these are categorized as gifts of power. Next week we're going to get into gifts of communication. Today we talked about gifts of power. Next week we're going to talk about gifts of communication and how those gifts connect to us today. Some people believe that the Bible teaches that these miraculous gifts do not exist anymore. And I'm not bashing them. I'm not knocking them. Some people believe that the Bible teaches that these miraculous gifts do not exist anymore. We'll get more into this in the near future. But Paul actually does clearly note when all the spiritual gifts, whether seen as non-miraculous or miraculous, will cease. That point in time when every gift will cease is the return of Jesus. And why that is, is because they'll just no longer be needed. We'll be in the presence of Jesus. And the only thing that will continue on for eternity is love. And that's what Paul will get into. However, while all these gifts will cease at the return of Jesus, Paul, what Paul does not speak about here is the frequency with which they are given by the Holy Spirit throughout the seasons of the church age. When the apostles walked the earth, you can read about these incredible stories in the book of Acts. They witnessed an unusual amount of these miraculous gifts. But that does not necessarily mean that these gifts are as frequently distributed or used by the Holy Spirit according to the time and place the gospel presence is or is not. At the same time, Paul did not speak about which gifts would be the most helpful for any given church and their situation. So different gifts are going to be more helpful for, for our church than it would be for another church. Some gifts will be more helpful to our church in the 21st century in America, while other gifts are going to be more helpful to a church in a remote place halfway around the world where the gospel presence isn't really there. All of these gifts, though, are meant for the church's benefit. They're meant for the strengthening of it, the unity of it, and its praise to God. If you think you could have any of these gifts we've talked about between last week and this week, use them. Use them for the building up of our church. Use your gift of faith to strengthen the faith of others around you in waiting expectantly for Almighty God to act in their impossible situation. Use your gift of healing to point to the great healer, His mercy, his compassion, and lead others to give him praise and glory for his healing of them. 
Use your gift of miracles to launch, unleash God's eternal power into impossible situations and cause people to wonder and be in awe at His power and strength. And let us as one church, relying on each other's spiritual gifts, witness God move in mighty, powerful, and unexplainable ways. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this powerful and encouraging passage of Scripture. We thank you for the many spiritual gifts you have given to us. We thank you that not one person has all the gifts and that you distribute them as you will. So Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here today who has the gift of healing or the the gift of great faith or the gift of working miracles, Lord, I pray that they would use those gifts. And I pray that you would use those to build up the church and we would see you move in miraculous and unexplainable and powerful ways that all we can say is, wow, God, you are incredible. We pray all these things in the power of Jesus Christ's name who conquered death and lives to give us new life evermore. Amen.